0: In this recording, we're going to go through a very nice Purim insight, a very interesting discussion from Rabbi Yisrael Dan Duravitz, an Israeli Talmud Chacham from the city of Arad, who publishes a lot in the various Torah journals, very high quality and interesting stuff. So we're going to go through an idea of his relating to Purim from the Torah journal Yeshurin, volume 35, beginning on page 636. The Gemara in Megillah, Yudbezim and Aleph, explains a pusuk at the beginning of Megillah's in chapter one, pasuk four, the Megillah there is describing Achashverosh making this grand party, and he's showing off his tremendous wealth. So the pasuk says, "Behar oso es oshar kvod when he showed the wealth of the honor of his kingdom, "Vesyakar tiferes and the splendorous glory of his greatness. That's how the Megillah describes Achashverosh showing off his wealth. So the Gemara explains, This means that Ahashverosh wore the clothing of Kohanim because the Persians had the spoils of the Beis HaMikdash that they had taken from the Babylonians. So Ahashverosh had all the stuff from the Beis HaMikdash and he wore to this party the Day Kehuna, the special clothing of Kohanim. And the way we know this, the Gemara explains, is because in Megillas Esther it says, Yakar Tiferes So the splendor and the glory, the yakar and the tiferis of his greatness. And when the Torah describes the clothing of Kohanim, it says, u'l that they're for honor and glory. So that same word, tiferis, appears in both contexts. So that tells us that when Ahashvero showed off his wealth, it was a reference to the tiferis, which refers to the clothing of the Kohanim. Now Rashi adds into this, he says, He says, <laughs> Rashi identifies that the clothing he wore were specifically those of the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, not just the clothes of any of the Kohanim. So according to Rashi, even though the Gemara only says big day kahuna, it doesn't mean the regular Kohanim's clothing, it refers to the Kohen Gadol's clothing. So the question that the commentators ask is how does Rashi know that this refers specifically to the clothing of the Kohen Gadol as opposed to what the Gemara literally says that it was the clothing of a regular Kohen. So how does Rashi know not to take these words on their surface level and rather he interprets it as a reference to the clothes of the Kohen Gadol. Now it can't be because of the word Tiferis. The Gemara derived this whole idea that Achashverosh wore the clothing of Kohani from the word Tiferis but in the Torah both the clothes of the Kohen Gadol as well as the clothes of a regular Kohen are both described with the identical phrase of L'Kavod U'L'Tiferis so in Shmos Chavches Bez it describes the clothing of the Kohen Gadol as L'Kavod U'L'Tiferis and then 38 Psukim later in Pasuk 40 it describes the clothing of all the Kohanim the regular Kohanim's clothes as L'Kavod ulatiferes. so basically the Gemaras describe could fit in with either a regular Kohain's clothes or with the clothing of the Kohain Guttel. Either of them could be derived from the Pussek in Esther, which says Yakarti Ferris. So, how does Rashi know that we're specifically discussing the clothing of the Kohain Guttel and not the clothing of a regular Kohain? So the simple answer, and this is given by the Imre Emes, who is the Gera Rebbe, in his Sefer Mikhtvei Torah, Simen Chaf Aleph, as well as in the Sefer Imro Hashem, in Parsha Tetzaveh. So they both say something very simple, that the clothes of a regular Kohen were not splendorous. They were not these beautiful, magnificent, stunning clothing. They were just very plain white clothing. Whereas the clothes of the Kohen Gadol had tremendous splendor. They had all sorts of valuable diamonds and stones and they sparkled and they had gold. They were really something to behold. So since the Megillah describes Ahashverosh as wearing things of Tiferis, of splendor, so that just makes sense, according to Rashi, that it's talking about the clothing of the Kohen Gadol, as opposed to the other, more relatively simple clothes of the regular Kohanim, which didn't have that same effect. So that's why Rashi assumes that the clothing referenced in the Gemara must be the clothes of the Kohen Gadol. So that's the simple answer to this question. But Rabbi Danderovitz is going to suggest a very sharp answer to this. But before that, he asks two further questions. The Marsha asks a second question on this Gemara. The Gemara derives from the words, Yikar So, the splendorous glory of his greatness, that that's a reference to the clothing of the Kohanim, which are described in the Torah as ula so the same word is used in both places. But the Marsha asks, the beginning of that Pusuk in Esther is Osher Kivod Malchusel, that Achashverosh showed off the wealth of the honor of his kingdom. So the word kavod is used there. So why does the Gemara wait until the end of the pasuk to make this derivation? Why not do it on the first half of the pasuk, which uses the word kavod, which is also used in the context of the clothing of the Kohen Gadol. So why does the Gemara specifically focus this idea on the second half of the pasuk, which uses tiferes, as opposed to the first half, which uses the word kavod? That's question number two. Question number three is similar and related to question number two, the Premegadim in his Sefer, Rosh Yosef, asks, there's something funny about what the Gemara does because first it quotes the first half of this Pasuk and then it says that Rabbi Yossi Bar Khanina explained that this is a reference to the clothing of the Kohen, but the proof for that comes from the second part of the Pasuk. So if so, why is the Gemara quoting the first half of the Pasuk as if that's where Reb Yosi Bar Hanina said this explanation, when in fact the explanation actually goes on the second half of the Pasuk. So Rabbi Dandorovitz suggests a very sharp answer to all three of these questions, and this is based on an insight of the base Ephraim. The Gemara in Megillah, Tesa Aleph, discusses there's a halacha that targum shekosvo mikra, if there There's a verse in the Tanakh, sometimes there are verses that are written in Aramaic translation. They're not actually in Hebrew or they have some words that are Aramaic. So if a person instead translated those words into the Hebrew and wrote them, that would invalidate the scroll that they're writing. You can't change the language of the original text either from Hebrew to Aramaic or from Aramaic to Hebrew. So the Gemara asks, what's an example in the Megillah where there's a word in Targum, it's supposed to be in Aramaic, and instead someone could translate it into Hebrew. So the Gemara gives different examples. Rav Papa says, The statement of the king was heard, but that word Piskam is actually an Aramaic word. So that's an example of Aramaic in the Megillah. Rav Nachman bar Yitzchak gives another example, which is actually the end of that Pasuk that Rav Papa used, that The statement of Achashverosh was that all women have to honor their husbands. So that word yakar, which means honor, is actually an Aramaic word. So that's Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak's example of an Aramaic word. So there's a very big question on this line and in the Chuva me'ava from Rebbe Lezer Fleckles who is a student of the Note of Yehuda in Chelek Aleph Simon Kuftzari Ches he asks this, why does Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak use the Pasuk in chapter 1 verse 20 which uses the word yakar when we know that there's a much earlier pasuk in chapter one, verse four, which uses yikar tiferis. That's the pasuk we've been discussing. So the Megillah already used the word yikar in the fourth Pasuk. Why does Rav Nachman bar Yitzchak give an example of an Aramaic word using that same word yikar 16 psukim later in verse 20? Why didn't he just use the first time that word occurs in the Megillah, which is very early on in the fourth Pasuk? So to answer this question, the tshuva me'ava suggested a very original insight, which is that the whole halakha that changing Aramaic words into Hebrew invalidates the scroll only applies when a person changes two words, not one word. So that's why Rav Nachman bar Yitzchak uses the word yakar in verse 20, because that would be the second Aramaic word in that pasuk. There's the word piskum, and then there's the word yakar, so only... Only if a person changes both of those words would they invalidate the Megillah, but only one word would not invalidate the Megillah. So that's why he doesn't use the word yakar from verse 4, because that's only one word in Aramaic in that pasuk. So that's what the tshuva me'ava suggests. Now, when he wrote this to his mechoten, Rabbi Michael Bachrach, so he wrote back with him disagreeing, and he said it sounds like in the Gemara even one word changing from Aramaic to Hebrew would be a problem. And even Rabbi Nachman bar Yitzchak, it sounds like he's only referencing the word yikar alone. And he also doesn't even know why there should be a difference between one word versus two words, meaning why shouldn't changing one word alone be a problem. And he also points out that no earlier post-Skim ever said this. This idea. So it sounds like in the halachic books that it's even changing one word would invalidate the scroll. So basically, he disagrees with this radical innovation of the tshuva me'ava. Now the Beis Ephraim in his Tshuvas and Arachaim Simen Ayin so he also suggests an answer and he too wrote this to his Mechutin Rabbi Yaakov Kalandau who was a son of the Nod Yehuda So he suggested a very brilliant approach to answer the question of the Tshuva Me'ava and he says that the word Yikar is not only an Aramaic word it's actually both a Hebrew as well as an Aramaic word it has a different meaning in each of those languages in Aramaic the word yikar means to honor something. In Hebrew, the word yikar means singular, that it's special. There's nothing else like it. So, in the two languages of Hebrew and Aramaic, that same word yikar has different meanings. Now, based on this, the Beis Ephraim answers the Chuvah Me'Ava's question. Because in Pusuk 4 of the Megillah, where it says that Achashverosh showed off his wealth, that's Yikar Tiferes Gedula So, the splendorous glory of his greatness. So there, the word Yikar cannot mean the honor, because then it should have said Yikar Utiferes, the honor and the glory. But the Megillah does not say and the tiferes and the glory. It says the Yikar tiferes, meaning the Yikar is an adjective that's modifying the tiferes. So it must mean the singular, the special glory that Ahashverosh had. So if it means singular in that context, then it's a Hebrew word because that's what the word Yikar means in Hebrew. As opposed to in verse twenty, where it says that all the women should give yikar to their husbands, so there it doesn't mean singular; it means honor. In which case, it's an Aramaic word. So, based on the context of how the word yikar is used, we can now discern that in verse four, it's a Hebrew word, whereas in verse twenty, it's an Aramaic word. So that explains why Rav Nachman bar Yitzchak skipped over its usage in the first pasuk and went straight to pasuk twenty because that's where it's an Aramaic word as opposed to the earlier use, which is a Hebrew word. So if he's looking for an example of an Aramaic word, he has to use the second time that Yakar is used and not the first. So now, based on this idea of the Beis Ephraim, it's going to answer all the questions that we began with. First was, how does Rashi know that it's speaking specifically about the clothing of the Kohen Gadol, not the regular Big Day Kahuna? So the answer is because the Megillah says, Yikar Tiferis. And the Yikar in this Pasuk, according to the Beis Ephraim, is the Hebrew word, which means singular. So if it means singular, it has to be referring to something of which there was was only one, which is the clothes of the Kohen Gadol. The clothes of the regular Kohanim, there were at least hundreds, if not more, because the regular Kohanim all used them. So you wouldn't call that Yakar in the Hebrew sense of being something singular. The only big day kahuna that would warrant Yakar, that it's something special, that it's the only one, as it means in Hebrew, as the base Ephraim says it means, would be the clothes of the Kohen Gadol, because there was only one set of that. So that's how Rashi knows that if the Gemara is learning this out from Yikar Tiferes, it must refer to the close of the Kohin guttal. That also answers the Marsha's question. Why does the Gemara wait to derive this from the second half of the Pasuk, from the word Tiferes, and not from the first half, from the word Kavod? The answer is because the Gemara needs that word Yikar. The first half of the Pasuk would not tell us that it's specifically referring to the close of the Kohen guttel. It could be the close of any Kohen. Only from Yikar Tiferus, from that word Yikar, do we see that it has to refer to the close of the Kohen guttel specifically. And finally, it answers the Prima question, why does the Gemara even mention the first half of the Pasuk in this context? Because it's trying to emphasize that we do not derive this from the word Kovod because that could have referred to the close. Of any Kohen. We specifically derive it from the second half from Yikar Tiferes in order to show us that it has to be the close of the Kohen Guttel. So, this is a very brilliant explanation of Rashi based on this insight of the Beis Ephraim. Now, as an interesting postscript to this discussion, Rabbi Dandurovitz points out that the Megillah later on uses this word yakar quite frequently. So, in chapter 6, Psukim 3 through 7, where it's telling the story about how Haman wants to be honored by the King and he ends up having to take Mordechai around on the horse and honor him. So the Megillah uses the word yikar in that context, and there it refers to honor, like the Aramaic sense of the word. But in that context, it cannot refer to singular, which would be the Hebrew meaning. So in chapter six, the word yikar is used in the Aramaic sense. Now, more problematic is that in chapter eight of the Megillah, it says La Yehudim Ha'isa Ora V'Simcha After the Jews were saved, they had light and happiness and joy and yikar. So again, the word yikar there cannot mean singular. It doesn't make sense in the context. It must mean honor. The Jews had honor, which according to the Beis Ephraim is the Aramaic version of the word. Now, the question in that pasuk would be, why does the Megillah suddenly shift the first half of the pasuk, Ora v'Simcha v'Sason, that's all Hebrew. So why does it suddenly switch to using the Aramaic word yakar? So he suggests a very nice answer. The Gemara in Megillah Tazayinamud Beis explains that when the Megillah says the Jews had yakar, that's a reference to Tefillin because the Torah says, "Shem Hashem Nikra Alecha." That when you wear the Tefillin of the head, specifically Hashem's name is called on the Jews. So that word. Yikar is a reference to Nikra, it's a reference to the Tefillin. Now the language the Torah uses to call Tefillin is Totafos. And Rashi in his commentary on Dvarim Vav Ches explains that that word is actually a combination of two smaller words, Tat and pos, and those words are foreign words. So the word tat is a Coptic word, like from the Egyptian area. And the word pos comes from, he calls it Africa, but it's understood to be like in Turkey or in Asia. So basically, Rashi explains that the word totafos which is the Torah's language for tefillin, is a combination of two different words in two foreign languages. And that's how the Torah chooses to identify tefillin, using these foreign words. So Reb Moshe Met in his book, Ho'il Moshe, at the end of Parsha's bow, he explains why would the Torah specifically call Tefillin using foreign languages? Because Tefillin show that God is the king of the world. So we're trying to show that his sovereignty over the world extends through the entire world, including all these foreign countries that are distant from each other, and God is the king over all of it. So that's why the Tefillin is a combination of two foreign words in order to show that God's kingdom is all-inclusive of everything. So applying this same logic, it could be the reason the Megillah uses the Aramaic version of Yakar to describe tefillin is again to show that God's majesty is not only over the Jewish people, it's not only over Israel, but it's over everything, including where they speak Aramaic. So that's why the word for tefillin specifically shifts from Hebrew to Aramaic. So that's his very brilliant discussion of this word yikar and the base of Fraim’s idea and how that explains the comment of Rashi that Achashverosh was wearing specifically the clothes of the Kohen Gadol.